Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 3. Having paid the bill with actual money, instead of some magically generated cash that would disappear an hour later, the group made their way outside. Filthy Henry had been very much surprised that Dagda actually carried mortal money around with him, let alone was familiar with the concept of paying for things. Well, we should be leaving. Kind of late for our shift, Danny said, indicating himself and Trent. Better go and collect the car and explain ourselves. Dagda nodded his head once at the leerling, then reached over and shook Trent's hand. Instantly, Filthy Henry saw a magical light surge from the god's hand, travelling up Trent's arm. It stopped at the guard's forehead, glowed brightly for a moment, then vanished. Trent blinked his eyes a few times, then shook his head. I feel light-headed all of a sudden, he said. I'd say it was the chicken you had last night, Dagda said, letting go of Trent's hand. Did I have chicken? Trent asked, looking at the ground confused. Oh, you sure did, Downey said. You've been puking since I picked you up. That's why we walked down to Lucan Village to get you something to try and settle your stomach. Dry toast and tea, the fix-all cure of the Irish. Well, folks, we'll be on our way. Downey started walking down the street, followed by a still, very confused Trent. Filthy Henry watched them for a moment, then noticed out of the corner of his eye that Brez was staring after Trent, staring at him like a hungry wolf let loose in a sheep pen. He watched the dark-suited man until Brez stopped looking at the recruit and turned to stare at Filthy Henry directly in the eyes. Problem? Brez asked. Filthy Henry cocked his head to the side and smiled. Nope. Just trying to figure out what sort of fairy god you are. Listen, Dagda said. We've got to get going. Take care of matters. Godly business, you understand. So you will have to just start the case now. There will be no interference from us at all, but... Do remember that we need to know your findings by the end of the week, and no later. Wait, the end of the week? Filthy Henry said. Why can't I just ever get a case that doesn't need to be solved in seven days? Just once it would be nice to be told, get back to us whenever. No pressure. Shelley elbowed the fairy detective in the ribs, before saying, You can count on us. No, they really can't, Filthy Henry said. I already told you. I have the missing homeless man case that's occupying most of my time. Shelley nudged him again. Ouch! Would you knock that off? Results within a week. You have our Celtic investigator's guarantee on that, Shelley said, rubbing her elbow after the second prod had connected with a rib. Hopefully that will be true, maggot, Brez said. Otherwise Dagda here will have to follow the rules he loves so much. The fairy detective turned up his fairy vision to the highest level it would go and examined Brez magically once again. All the energy coming off him was very familiar, and yet strangely different at the same time. It was starting to intrigue Filthy Henry. He had no idea just what sort of god Brez actually was, certainly not one he had encountered before. Oh, this may help, Dagda said, holding out his empty right hand. A little speck of golden light appeared, and began spinning around his palm. It spun, faster and faster, before exploding in a tiny shower of sparks. When they cleared, there was a single gold coin left behind in Dagda's hand. Filthy Henry got a faint whiff of metal in the air as the spell completed. The chief of the gods slid the coin along his hand, brought his thumb underneath it and flicked it in the air towards Filthy Henry, 
Rez snatched it in mid-air and glared at Dagda. What are you playing at? No interference or special treatment allowed. What if a lowly maggot got hold of this? he said. Oh, it's just to help them travel around, Dagda said. Only someone with magic in their blood will be able to use it, and it will only do teleportation within my realm. Even those druid types that capture fairies won't be able to use it. They're too human. No magic in their blood. The young lad can't repeatedly cast that sort of magic himself without risking serious damage. No need to be more difficult than usual, Brez, unless there's some reason you don't want to speed things up so that we can get to the bottom of this. Brez tapped his thumbnail along the edge of the coin. After a couple of seconds, he shrugged and tossed the coin at Shelley, who had not been paying attention and failed to catch it. Oh, sorry, she said, bending down to pick it up from the ground. So, a magical bus pass, essentially. That will be useful. Just hold it in your hand, think of your destination, and it will move you there without wasting any of your own magic. Should help you get around my realm, Dagda said. Filthy Henry took the coin out of Shelley's hand and examined it. With his second sight he could see a very faint magical thread extend from the coin and float through the air towards Dagda, getting lost somewhere in the god's beard. So, uh, why don't I just use it to teleport to the real killer? Case solved, he said. Dagda shook his head. Doesn't exactly work like that. It can send you to the spot a person is, but I have to know about them. So for the moment, until you can prove otherwise, the coin will just teleport you to Dion Kecht because he's the prime suspect. Prime suspect, please. He did it, Brez interrupted. We think he did it, Dagda repeated. Like I said, this coin will help you get around my realm, but it is limited to my own knowledge on things going on within the realm. If, for example, there are a bunch of leerlings hidden from my sight, you wouldn't be able to teleport to them. Right, Brez, we need to leave. You want to lift? Brez held up his right hand and gave Dagda the middle finger. Then, without any warning, he simply vanished, falling straight into the pavement as if swallowed by a hole. A hole which left no trace behind that it had even been there. Some gods, Dagda said, half to himself. Hang on a second. He did it, Filthy Henry said, nodding at the spot where Brez had disappeared. Why are we bothering with this? Of course he did it, Dagda said. At the very least he was involved in it. But the problem is we have no proof that it was him or his lot. We gods, the true gods, can only deal with facts and the facts are they currently stand to implicate Dion Kecht. Filthy Henry shook his head and grinned. You lot and your rules. It's not like they're set in stone or anything. More guidelines than actual rules. You know full well that Brez is mixed up in all of this. Yet you're willing to let him win just so the good guys can claim the moral high ground. Dagda didn't reply. He looked at the fairy detective for a moment then gave him a sad smile. It was a pleasure to meet you, Shelley. Henry, make me proud, son. With that, Dagda faded from sight, leaving the pair of them alone on the street. He called you son, Shelley said. Ah, don't go reading too much into it, Filthy Henry said, marching down the road while idly tossing the golden coin up into the air and catching it. He's from that generation when everyone younger than you got called son. Hey, Shelley said running to keep up with the fairy detective. Are you annoyed at me for some reason? Well, yes. Why did you take on this case? 
More to the point, who gave you the right to take on cases on my behalf? I want nothing to do with the old gods and the stupid games they play. More so when that fat git is involved. Plus drop this Celtic investigations lark. It's never going to stick. Well, I already ordered business cards, Shelley said. They'll be here in a week or two. What? Ah, oh, for the love of Dagda. Are they blue? Well, yes, I figured too many things with the word Celtic in them rely on green colour schemes, so I went with blue. You like blue, right? Filthy Henry considered this for a moment. Fine. They can stay if they look good. On the condition that I'm the only one who gets to hand them out. Understand? But still, stop taking jobs from that portly prat. Why? What's wrong with Dagda? You seem nice enough to me. Filthy Henry shot Shelley a look that he hoped would turn her to stone, but knew sadly it wouldn't. He lacked the right levels of magic to be able to cast such a wonderful spell on annoying questioners. Instead, he stopped walking and caught the coin from its last toss in the air. If you've gone and gotten me a case, we may as well start it so I can finish it soon and be done with it. Then I can get back to my super important case. Well, at least we have a case, Shelley said. Not just a made-up one about a homeless man. I mean, really, was that the best you could do when put in the spot? Well, true that we have another case, Filthy Henry said, examining the coin. One that you failed to get a payment agreed upon, so we can safely assume it'll be pro bono. Congrats on the stellar work there. In the daylight, with his normal vision, the fairy detective examined the coin. There was nothing particularly remarkable about it. It was roughly the size of a two-euro coin, one size of it smooth and shiny, and the other adorned with a stylized capital D. Holding it in his hand, Filthy Henry could feel the power contained within it. More so since Dagda had left the immediate area. To think that it was an object created by a god, even one that Filthy Henry considered a bit of a jackass, was a little humbling. He held out his hand gesturing for Shelley to take hold and closed his fingers around the gold coin. Let's get the party started, shall we? Filthy Henry said. Focusing his thoughts on the crime scene, the fairy detective pushed the destination into the magic of the coin. Instantly he felt the tendrils of energy explode from the golden object, spreading out so that it encompassed himself and Shelley. He could feel the power build up as the tendrils formed a cocoon of energy around them. Then the world moved quickly. Without her magical sight, Shelley could not see the spell Dagda had cast over the crime scene. In fact, she saw nothing to indicate there was something to see at all. Even knowing where in the field to look made no difference. It was not that her eyes failed to focus on the area, just that they had registered nothing there. Twice now she had tried walking through the spot, focusing all her thoughts on moving in a straight line, and twice she had ended up going around it, without any interference or strange thoughts. One second she was moving in one direction, then it felt right just to move a different way. Filthy Henry had explained this magical effect before. It was nothing to do with the actual spell working on her mind, or her mind's inability to figure out what the magic was doing. An adult human mind lacked any concept of magic, so it adjusted to the situation without question. Nobody went crazy trying to figure out why they kept walking around an empty patch of grass. If you were a human totally unaware of the magic all around, then your mind was happy to keep you in that ignorant state. Shelley smiled as she flicked the mental switch that allowed her to see the magical world. Instantly the crime scene appeared. From outside the area, Shelley was able to see Dagda's spell, 
It was a transparent dome that was roughly the size of a small car. Its surface had ripples of colouring moving across it, swirling and spreading like a bubble of soap in a kitchen sink. Inside was the body, seemingly untouched since they had been there. Filthy Henry had walked straight through the spell upon their arrival, but Shelley had wanted to see how exactly the crime scene was obscured from normal people. After all, the novelty of knowing that magic was real had not worn off for her just yet. Every day revealed something new and fantastic to experience from the fairy world. Like meeting a Celtic god, for example. A rumble of thunder overhead signalled the start of a heavy downpour. From the charcoal grey clouds above, rain started falling. Shelley ran towards the crime scene and passed unhindered through the bubble wall of the spell into a completely dry, slightly colder space. Hmm, she said, after herself, as she looked around the inside of the dome. What's wrong? Filthy Henry asked. He was kneeling over the body, looking really closely at the wounds on the victim's back. Well, it's raining outside, Shelley said, but not in here. Also, why is it colder in here? Ah, Dagda was a bit too general with his preservation part of the spell. Looks like he not only preserved the crime scene, but also the time within it. So technically it's still morning in here. In theory, we could stay in here forever and never age. Shelley reached out and touched the dome. Ripples of colour spread out from her fingertips as they contacted the magical surface. But we'd get hungry, she said. Well, you only get hungry because you're moving through time at a normal speed, Filthy Henry said. Since time isn't moving in here, we'd never be hungry. It would be a really boring and slow way to time travel into the future. Now come over here. You might as well make yourself useful since you took on this case. Shelley rolled her eyes. For pity's sake, I got us a case. So what? I still don't believe your homeless man case. So what were you working on before this exactly? Something super important like sitting on your backside and moaning. No, I had two cases, Filthy Henry said. I was working on a really, really hard case. The case of how to get the unwanted human out of my office and make her stop thinking we're partners in my detective practice. And I was so close to cracking it as well. Shelley shot him a withering look, which rarely had any effect on him, but made her feel a whole lot better. Have you uh, got your phone with you? Filthy Henry asked her, leaning in close to the wounds. Why don't you use your magical phone? Shelley said snidely. Filthy Henry sighed. Gohan poka mach, the fairy detective said, holding out his hand. Shelley felt her phone vibrate in her pocket, then watched as little grey specks of dirt floated out of her jeans and towards Filthy Henry's hand. The dirt gathered on his skin, building into the shape of a mobile phone. A mobile phone that looked very much like her own mobile. She checked her pocket and found the phone gone. So, basically, you just used magic to pickpocket me. No, Filthy Henry said, unlocking her phone and moving through the menu options. You made me waste magic to get your phone, meaning you owe me lunch to replenish the used magic. Now how do you work the bloody camera on this thing? Ah, just give it here, Shelley said, snatching it back from his hand. Opening up the camera application, she pointed the phone at Meek's body. You know, I keep forgetting that while you look thirty-something, you're really in your eighties, with a grasp on technology like some grandfather living under a rock. What do you want photos of? Uh, well, that whole area there, Filthy Henry said, waving his hand over the stab wounds. Get as many as you can. Clicking away on the phone, Shelley took fifteen photos of the wounds from every single angle she could think of.
This was the third body that she had seen since partnering up with the fairy detective. The first two had been humans. Bad men who had stolen Shelley's pet fairy cat. That had been unsettling. But at the time, she had just been shown the fairy world. Somehow her mind had managed to prevent a full-on freakout from happening. The fact that Miak was a fairy somehow allowed her not to think of him as a dead human, which made it easier to keep the contents of her stomach in their current location. Once she had finished taking pictures of the stab wounds, Filthy Henry lifted the body up and flipped it over. Much of Miak's front was covered in mud and dirt, but his face was still clean. Two vacant eyes stared up at them. Shelley felt her stomach churn slightly, because despite the fact he was a fairy, Miak still looked very much like a dead human. Filthy Henry reached up, took the phone from her, then gently pushed her away. She turned around and looked out at the field around them. He looks really familiar for some reason, the fairy detective said. Filthy Henry stood up and came over to stand beside Shelley. Are you okay? I'm fine, she said quietly. Just that, well... Yeah, I know. Those morons that Stoker killed look like mummies. Easy to pretend that you weren't really looking at a dead body. Slightly different when the victim looks as human as you, right? I'll hang on to the phone until we get the pictures off it. Shelley just nodded once. Why here, he said, seemingly to himself. Why this random field in Lucan of all places? There's nothing remarkable for miles around. It's mostly housing estates, shops and schools. Well, maybe because it was just out of the way, Shelley suggested. The fairy detective shook his head. No, this would be a perfect area for people to walk their dogs in the morning. You know the type of dog walker I mean. The rotten sort that let the animal crap all over the place, but don't pick it up after them. Sort of dog owner that gives a proper dog owner's a bad name. No, somebody would have found the body, even by accident. He turned round to look at Miak. Look at the way he fell. It's almost as if he was looking in this direction right before he was killed. But why? Well, it's time to start asking people questions, Shelley said. Filthy Henry took out the gold coin from his pocket and held it up while staring at Miak. No, first of all, I'm going to find my missing homeless man with this. Free teleportation around the country. I can have the case wrapped up in a minute. The fairy detective closed his hand tightly around the coin and closed his eyes. Shelley watched as filthy Henry flickered round the edges for an instant and then vanished from sight. Oh, very clever, he said. Shelley turned around. The fairy detective was standing beside me. What just happened? I guess Dagda really does want me to focus on his case first, Filthy Henry said, clearly annoyed. Presumably if I use the coin to teleport around for any other purpose other than solving his case, it'll just bring me back here. Fine, let's solve this one first. Hold on a second. The fairy detective let the thought trail off and knelt down beside the body once more. He reached over to Miak's right hand. It was pressed close against the victim's body and curled into a fist. Just about visible between the fingers was a scrap of paper. Filthy Henry pried open the hand and pulled the paper free. He flattened it out in his own hands. The deer, he read aloud. That's all that's written on it. What the heck do you think that means? A clue, maybe? 
to the killer's identity? A clue? At a crime scene? You're mad, Filthy Henry said with an extra sarcastic tone. Come on, let's pull together some names of people we need to talk to. Hard to get a list of suspects when you don't know who to be suspicious of. Trent's first day in the new job had been a really boring one. There had been nothing interesting to do at all in the station, and Downey was as entertaining as watching painted grass dry while it grew. Nobody had tried to break anyone out of the cells, gun crime appeared to have taken the day off, and all the high-speed car chases seemed only to be happening on television. All in, the job of being a keeper of the peace was not as action-packed and exciting as Trent had figured it would be. The Garda had never been so happy to see his own front door after the working day. That is, until he noticed it was open and stood slightly ajar. Shards of glass were sprinkled all around the welcome mat, a mat which had the words Get Lost embroidered on it, as if a window had been broken in order to open the door, which was odd because all the windows of the house facing the street were undamaged. This isn't your lucky night, pal, Trent said taking the telescopic nightstick from his work bag and extending it with a flick of the wrist. The metallic tube slid out and locked into place with a very satisfactory click. Slowly he approached the door, nudging it open with the tip of the metal stick. He had half expected the door to creak on its hinges, like some cheesy horror movie cliché. Instead, it opened smoothly to reveal the dark hallway beyond. With his ears peeled for any sounds at all, Trent carefully walked through the doorway and into his house. All was silent. There was no indication that anybody or anything was moving about in the rooms. Either the intruders had already left, or they were now engaged in a game of hide-and-seek. Unluckily for them, Trent O'Shea had grown up hating that game. He had always likened it to reading a book. Why bother going through all the pages when you could just jump to the end? Whack-a-mole was more up his avenue of entertainment. He twirled the nightstick around in his hand and gripped it tight. You better show yourselves now, he said into the stillness. If you make me go look for you, I'll crack your head like a boiled egg and swear to the ambulance medics that it was how I found you. Trust me, I'm a Garda. They'll believe me over you. So long as nobody is videoing me, of course, so turn off any cameras while you're giving yourselves up. This was met with a wall of silence. Suit yourself, Trent said dropping his bag to the ground and bringing up the nightstick to head-smashing height. I'm bored now, maggot, a voice said, seemingly coming from everywhere at once. Trent spun around on the spot, blindly swinging the stick in the air. Where are you? Why don't you just come into your living room, the voice said, again as if from every direction. That way I don't have to exert any energy I'd rather be saving for things of a more important nature, like scratching my nose. The guard had turned to look at his living room door, which had started opening of its own accord. He watched as it slowly moved, showing a man dressed in a black suit, sitting in an armchair and staring at him. Who the hell do you think you are? That was all Trent managed to say before his worldview was soundly shattered. With a hand gesture, the man in the suit did something that resulted in Trent's nightstick rapidly shooting across the hallway and out the front door. The door slammed shut afterwards, each of the locks sliding into place on their own. Another gesture from the man caused Trent to shrink in size, but only in a vertical direction. He looked down to realise that he was not in fact changing in size, he was sinking. 
into the concrete floor of his house. God almighty! Trent shouted as the new quicksand-like feature of his home sucked him in, all the way to his neck. As it reached his chin, the sucking sound stopped, the concrete hardening around his body, and the dark-suited man stood up and strolled over to him. Well, Brez Almighty will do, Brez said, as he stared down at Trent's head protruding from the ground. Good thing you finally showed up. My shadow orb only has another fifteen minutes or so left. I would have had to explain myself to parties I'd rather not explain myself to. Now, unless you want to learn what it feels like to live forever trapped in the foundations of your house, I'd suggest you do exactly as I tell you. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.